friends, welcome to another episode of Strength for Today. I'm so glad that you're here joining me. And today I want to share a few more examples of what we've been talking about over the last several weeks. And that is the four different levels in the right hemisphere of our brain. And it has just been incredible for, for me in my journey to understand how God has made us and just the incredible um, thing that the brain is in terms of how it helps us regulate our emotions, to process through pain, to get us to a place of being healed, that we can live whole, that we uh, remove the hindrances and the barriers, the obstacles in our lives that often hold us back to living consistently uh, from our true identity that Christ has given us. And he is our example. He is the source that we draw our image from and so to to really reflect Jesus and all of his beauty and all of his goodness, we have got to come to a place to really embrace who God is. And uh, after we embrace who he is and we begin to see the beauty and uh, majesty of who he is and all that he has done for us, then we are able to learn how to express him to the world around us. And the thing that's fascinating to me about each one of us is that we are unique, that we are significant in the kingdom, and that we have been uh, raised with Christ and now have resurrection power in us through our spirit to lead others and to influence other people through the wisdom and power and the authority given to us by the Holy Spirit. And so I hope that it encourages you. I hope it brings hope into your life. And I hope these tools that we've been going over in season two have been helpful for you in order to um, bring freedom, to bring identity and growth, transformation and maturity in your life, because that has been one of the very goals of which I feel God has called me to bring to the body of Christ. And uh, it is only through how I experience those things in Christ and with Christ that begins to change me and empower me to be able to share these things with other people. And so part of the reason I felt led to share stories with you is that I think stories are very significant in helping us understand the human experience. And think about times that you have learned things from other people. And I'm thinking even in terms of the way a lot of our Western culture and um, churches are set up today, which are heavy on the teaching and the informational aspects of thinking that learning, that type of learning, which is more academic, brings the type of change and transformation that our hearts desire. Am I saying there's nothing wrong or something wrong um, or that those things don't have a place? No, they definitely have a place. But for so long, if you can trace this back to history, um, we've, we've, we've approached our transformation, our growth, our change from an academic standpoint about learning the right things and then trying to make the right choices and create the right behaviors that lead us into living a godly life when in, in reality and hopefully what you've seen over the last couple of weeks is how relational and experiential 
our transformation and growth and maturity of our. And so sharing stories, when you think about how you've been taught, uh, I'm just thinking of examples in my life where I've heard great storytellers tell, tell wonderful stories. It makes a deeper impact on our heart because we can imagine and it gives us an illustration of something that we can see, something that we can connect with. And when we're told a story, we begin to identify ourselves, our experiences, and get meaning or a new perspective through someone else's story. This is uh, found in scripture through Jesus's life. He was a great storyteller. He told lots of parables. And he related to them in language and through stories that they could connect with. And when someone is a great teacher, they understand the power and the significance of telling a story. Because what also happens through story and the telling of stories and passing down the stories through generations is that we feel connected to each other. And it's story that begins to unite us together. And as a family, hearing the stories of those who have gone before us and then passing down those stories to our children brings a level of joy because these are our people. We are connected. We are not isolated from one another. And so that's what I'm encouraged. That's why I'm going to share a few other stories and examples in my life that we've been walking through over the past several weeks. And hopefully you can see yourself. You can see parts of your own story. And ultimately, you are encouraged that you are strengthened from these stories, because what it does for me when I hear someone else tell a story, especially one of their stories in which they have maybe missed the mark or they've messed up or they've made mistakes or poor choices, and then they share that, there's a vulnerability in sharing our story and especially the hardships, especially the broken parts of who we are. Because when we try to hide these things, we are actually exerting a lot more energy to keep these things hidden than we were if we were to let them out in the open. I'm not saying that we just need to spill everything out because there, there does need to be the right environment and trust built in order to keep ourselves safe. And so there's discernment, there's discretion, there's wisdom in how we need to do that. But at the same time, for so many of us, we try to hide these things. And so by telling stories, it, it, it shares a part of my heart and gets it out on the table so that you can see it and you can connect with it. And then hopefully what it does is it opens the doorway for a deeper level of trust between us or who's ever sharing and hearing these stories. And so it's a very incredible aspect of the human experience is telling stories and why we drew it. Some of the things that I wrote down that happened for me when I hear a great story is that it gives me a sense of strength. It gives me a sense of being encouraged. It helps me feel connected to their story. Um, and it gives me a new perspective a lot of times. And when I walk away from it, I can usually remember a great story as opposed to information that was given to me over 30 minutes. Think about hearing a message for 30 to 40 minutes and how much of it you remember a week later. But someone can tell you a five or 10 minute story 
and you can remember it for years down the road because it leaves a mark and it gives us an example that it has been set of, okay, that's what it's like. That's what it's like to feel that and to respond to that situation. And so I hope these stories will encourage you. So let me begin by just sharing another story on one of our vacations that we took with our extended family. Several summers ago, we went up to um, a place in Michigan, uh, and I'm drawing a blank on the name of where that was right now. Um, kind of a touristy place up there in Michigan, and um, we rented a cabin up there with my parents, my brothers, their their kids, and it was just a great time where we got to go out onto Lake Michigan and Door County. <laughs> I knew it would come to me and I had to get it out if it came to me. So we went up to Door County and one of the excursions that we were looking at doing was we were trying to find the cliff because we had seen in one of the brochures that there was this cliff that you could jump off of into Lake Michigan. And so we were trying to find it. And then one day we were actually able to find it in the afternoon. And I can remember going and walking to the edge of the cliff and we were ready. We brought our swim trunks. We brought everything that we needed, life jackets, so that when we got there, we wanted to jump in. And so we didn't know actually when we got there if we could. And so we were waiting for others to see if they were uh, able to jump and to swim to shore and to just kind of make this an afternoon of having fun together. And when we saw some other individuals come, sure enough, they jumped in. And it, it brought a lot of joy into our heart. And I can remember going with my daughter, who at the time probably would have been about 10 years old. And I can remember going to the edge and looking over and I asked her the question, do you want to jump? And she looked at me and I could see there was a little bit of fear. Um, and so I kind of noticed that. And I just, again, going back to this level one of attachment of that, we're going to do this together that I'm connected with you, that I'm glad to be with you in this. And we're both probably a little bit scared because we're probably about 20 to 25 feet above the water waiting to jump off this cliff that we've never done before, either one of us. And so I just assessed the situation with her and I said, okay, we've got life jackets on, we can see the shore and there's other people around that can help if something goes wrong, right? And so I'm building up the courage. And I said, well, what if we did this together? And she still wasn't convinced that she wanted to do it. And she's pretty um, adventurous as well. And I like to do these things. She does as well. And so I can remember looking at her and asking her, would you like me to go first and to set the example for you? And she smiled and she said, yes. And so in that moment, I'm sitting there like, great. I wasn't expecting her to actually say yes. Now I've got to prove myself as a dad and I've got to go and jump off this cliff, which honestly, I'm a little bit fearful and I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. But since my daughter needs an example, it was important to me. And so I said, Father, give me the courage and the strength to jump off this cliff and to set an example for my daughter because my heart is I know she wants to do it. And if it takes me jumping off, and overcoming my fear so that she could do it, then I will go ahead and do it. And so I ran back about 10 feet and I just said, okay, God, I'm trusting you. And I started running. And the next thing I know, I'm jumping off the cliff and I'm just in a free fall, which felt like for several minutes, but I can just remember hitting the water and kind of going underneath the water and coming back up to the top. And 
it was just this sense of joy that I had done it. And so I swam a little bit to try to get out of the way over to the shore. And I can remember looking up and I didn't see my daughter and I heard a splash in the water. And next thing I know, she's coming up out of the water and she's got this huge smile and this expression of kind of shock and awe and joy all at the same time. And we swam to the shore, we got up and we just laughed. And I just remember seeing the joy on her face to be able to have an example of someone who was willing to do it and to be an example was what she needed in order to um, do this task. And so that was just another example that I thought of the other day of the power of having an example um, life of what it can do and how it can affect us and allow us um, to do something that we may not have the courage to do, but it's important to have those examples in our lives. And I want to share another personal example in my life of about six, five to six years ago now um, was a very difficult time uh, in, in my life. And um, there were some things that happened over the course of a weekend that really had me in a very panicked and fearful state. And um, there were a lot of things that I had um, running through my head in this moment for a couple of days. And I was trying to get the idea of what I needed to do in order to, to make this right and to own up to the decisions that I had made. And um, it was one of these things that I didn't know who to go to. I didn't know what I needed to share with people. And uh, there were some there were there were some pretty severe consequences to uh, some of the choices that I had made. And so I wasn't knowing how to own up to this. And I was trying to keep it in until I had found a plan and um, trying to keep myself safe, trying to keep other people around me safe. And I can remember getting a call. This 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 event happened on a Friday and it was a Sunday evening. We were eating dinner at our house. Uh with my family, with my my wife and my kids. And I remember getting a call from my brother. And so I went and I took the call and I had all of this fear, all of this anxiety, all of this um, just emotion that had me so amped up and I didn't know what to do. And I just remember my brother calling and saying, hey, like, you know, I heard what's going on and I just want to know, how are you doing? And he asked me that question and um, at first I tried to keep it in and I tried to deny that these things had happened. And, uh, I can just remember him saying, Hey, like I've made as many mistakes as you had. And if you've done this, you just need to let me know so that I can help you because I love you. And, uh, you know, we all make mistakes. I'm in the same boat. I've made a fair share of my own. And I can remember after listening to my brother's heart and how much he cared for me, how much he loved me in that moment, it finally kind of de-escalate or de-accelerated uh, de the emotions of being amped up into a calm place where I could make the logical decisions that I needed to make in that moment to make things right and to start the healing and the recovery process in my life. And if it hadn't been for my brother that night giving me a call and just bringing me back down to reality, and I don't even think you realize that he did some of these things here for me in terms of you know, feeling alone, feeling like there's no way I could go to anybody with this. But yet he was there, he called, he took the initiative, and he um, 
shared in that moment with me. And then he soothed, he quieted with me and he got me down to a point of realizing that, hey, there's three things that you can do to really take ownership of this and to begin the process of working through this. And then he was synchronizing with me. He affirmed that I'm not the only one who's made these mistakes, that he admitted his own mistakes that he had made. And so he soothed or he synchronized with me and he soothed the emotions and and he, and he assured me that, you know, this is what it's like to go through hardship. And then what I needed to do because I was confused and I didn't know what to do. And my brother shared an example with me of what he did. And that gave me the ability to know what I needed to do in order to move forward in this process. And so he really gave me an example within himself that day. And then I began to get new meaning at level five and I have a new expression for what was happening uh, in me, but then also um, with the people that, that I knew in my world. And so that was another great example uh, just in my life of a brother who did these things and I don't even think realized of how important and how uh, effective his presence was in my life. And so I'm just grateful for examples like this that we have in our lives that can provide stability, that can bring peace in a state of composure and competence when it's outside of ourselves to know how to act. We need examples in our lives. I want to close this episode by just encouraging you that wherever you're at in your life right now, there is a level of importance that we need to surround ourselves with people in a community. And this is going to be in the weeks to come about how our identity is formed um, by a community, by being in relationship with other and allowing other people a place in our lives to be an example for us, but then also reflect what it's like to be a follower of Christ and one of the great leaders in my life, and I've seen this in other places through um, authors as well, is they talk about building something into our life about having three people above us. This could be one, it could be two, I've heard three, but a select few amount of people who are further down the road for, from us and where we're at in our lives that are older, that are a little bit more mature, that have skills, that have walked through harder things than we have. And just to open ourselves up to be mentored and to be coached and to ask questions of how they've walked through things. So having three people that are further down the road, also having peers, people who are beside us that are walking the same things out for us, we've got young children. And so what I've tried to be very intentional at is having other peers in my life who are at that same stage that we are learning together, we are growing together, that we are sharing resources together in life. And then also, it's important for me to look at those who aren't as far down the road, who may be younger than I am, that are generations behind, and that I'm beginning to coach and to mentor them and to develop a heart within myself to share with them that they would avoid some of the hardship and the messes that I've had to walk through in my life. And so this is a great practical source of wisdom that we need that creates balance in our lives. And it really is 
a way to have multiple different generations influencing and impacting our lives and for us to be impacting and equipping the next generation of leaders and adults and parents who are going to be leading in our communities and in our society in general. Because there is value and there is wisdom and there is collaboration that needs to happen. And it's living from this place of humility where we're able to learn and to receive from those who are further on, living life with those who are at the same stage of life that we are, and then raising up the next generation and having a heart to invest in their life. Because if we're not investing in their lives, they are going to continue to have the same falls and pitfalls and struggles and cycles of repeated um, destructive behaviors that we've seen in our lifetime. And so I would just encourage you to make these practices in your life. And for me, I've been very fortunate because I've always invited people who are older and I've had great examples that have set an example for me in my life. I've been very intentional with being present with those my age. And then I've spent a lot of years just in ministry, investing in the lives of young people as well. And so I would just encourage you to do that as well. And in the book of Hebrews, it says that we have an example in Jesus, that he came down in all of, uh, stripped of all of his divinity and lived in this humanity so that he knows what it's like to be in your shoes. And you can be encouraged by that, that you have a savior in the person of Jesus who knows what it's like to be human, who has experienced the spectrum of emotions, of how to feel, how to process emotions, how to make sense of the world around him, who had been wronged by so many people, killed, um, crucified on a cross, a very brutal death to bring you life and to love you. And that's what grace is all about in this world. And I want to leave you with this today. I recently went through a training called the Genesis Process because I've taken a new job uh, that started late this summer at a rescue mission here that deals with the homeless population and deals a lot with recovery in terms of addictions and destructive behaviors. And the Genesis process is something that this mission uses in order to help the recovery patients uh, or residents uh, recover and be restored to health and to overcome their addictive behaviors or habits or substances. But there was a couple lines in the training. I went through a week-long training, and I loved this brief definition of grace. And I want to leave you with this image today because our God is a God who enters into a relationship with our heart and not our behavior. Is he concerned with the way we live our lives? And does he desire that our lives bear great fruit? Absolutely. But listen to this definition of grace. I'm going to give you kind of a short extended version and then break it down into practical terms. And this has made a huge impact on my life. And this is from one of the training manuals written by Michael Dye and Dean Perry. But it says, grace is defined as this, benevolence on the part of the bestower, the friendly disposition from which a kindly act precedes graciousness, Loving kindness, 
goodwill generally, the infinite love, mercy, favor, and goodwill shown to humankind by God. And I love that definition of it being a benevolence on the part of the bestower. So God himself bestowing upon us his grace. And there's a friendly disposition from our heavenly maker into our heart of grace. That is a kind act of graciousness and loving kindness, goodwill, the infinite love, mercy, and favor shown by our heavenly father to us. And then in practical terms, he breaks it down like this. And I love this phrase where he says, grace is when you have a relationship with a person's heart instead of his behaviors. Grace is another chance. Grace is the opposite of legalism. Grace heals, but the law destroys. It is through grace that God changes lives and it is grace that makes a person or a program safe for hurting people to begin to learn to trust seeing our heavenly father as a safe place in a person a real person that enters into a relationship with us and is more concerned with our heart because he knows that if we can trust him with our heart, no matter how bad that we've been hurt or how badly we've hurt in other people, the Lord still sees your heart and he wants to change it. He wants to form it into the image of his heart. And I loved hearing what grace does is it creates another chance. It heals. It doesn't destroy and kill. But it says in John 10, 10, that Jesus came to give life and to give it in abundance. Loved what he said about creating a safe person or a program for hurting people to begin to trust again. God creates safety within himself. How many times in scripture do we see that we are hidden in Christ, that he is a strong tower, a refuge that you can come to? And as you feel safe and begin to trust him, he gives you the capacity and he allows things that are broken in our world, broken in ourselves, our, our brain, our heart, our spirit that gets divided and gets double-minded. And he begins to put them back together because he doesn't want the damage that has been done to us from the world or other people to form us and pull us apart from the, his original design and purpose for us. And I pray that you can begin to trust him again today. And I want to end this episode by praying this blessing over you that Paul used in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, one of my favorite passages that I love to pray for people. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That word sanctified means to set apart. And part of sanctification is being made whole, becoming new. And it's this ongoing progressive process of change and transformation and growth that happens in our heart first. And he says, may he sanctify you, the God of peace, 
sanctify you, body, spirit, and soul, to be blameless in the coming of our Lord. And then he says, he who calls you is faithful, and he will surely do it. Be assured, son, be assured, daughter of the Most High God, that he will be faithful, that he will complete the work that he has begun in you, because he is a faithful, loving God who is entering into relationship with his people and his goal and expectation is for us to be healed and made whole so that we could express him in his glory and his kingdom to the world around us. Father, I pray that your peace would be released in each individual listening today. I pray that your peace would settle into our heart, that our perspective would begin to change. And I pray for a beautiful mind to be able to comprehend the depths of who you are, to be restored from areas of brokenness and wounding to a place of healing and unity of completeness in you, Father. Thank you for being a God who loves us so well. Thank you for being a God that gives grace, second chances and healing through your grace and your work and how it's so kind of you to bestow this on us, to live a life of connection and relationship. So Father, I'm believing and expecting that you're bringing these things before us, that we're understanding them, not just for information, but that it's changing us at the very core of who we are and giving us new ways to go about living our lives and impacting other people and bearing fruit because we are staying connected to the vine, that we are abiding, dwelling, and resting in you and looking to you for our example, Lord, because you are the example for all of humanity, that we are becoming one in spirit with you, that we love the same way that you love us, Lord, because that's the example that you as a father set for your son, Jesus, and the reason that Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit so that we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit honoring us and living within us, giving us the benefit of going through this world, never being alone, never being isolated, but being in fellowship, in union with you. Father, thank you for these incredible gifts, and I pray that they would become a reality and solidify in our heart, in our spirit, in our mind, in our language. Lord, you are the God who has started a work in us, so you will be faithful to complete it. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God, I pray that you would strengthen the hearts of each individual today and that they would find strength for today in only you, Father, in your strength may be uh, complete within us. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you'll join me next week. I hope these last few weeks for you have been an incredible blessing that have given you tools to navigate the difficult things that are happening in the world around us and hopefully in your life, giving you tools to live life present in your moment today.